0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by John Smith's DZ Tutoring Program. He can't just see your child's educational future, he can change it. I'm busy all
1: over with the, the steeple, into goblins, and wow, and those come at the grand life making a sound. The smell of death is on
0: the and not when the cold wind blows. no one cares, Hello, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's President's Day on Pod Cemetery with 1983's The Dead Zone and 2002's Bubba Hotep. hmm Getting right into our classic film, 1983's The Dead Zone, which was selected because there is a political campaign and an assassination attempt in this film. Also, this movie was recommended by Harry, so thank you, Harry. Yes, thank you, Harry. The screenplay was written by Jeffrey Bohm, based off the Stephen King novel of the same name, and directed by David Cronenberg, outside his normal body horror type stuff. Mm-hmm. Starring Christopher Walken, Brooke Adams, Tom Skerritt, and Martin Sheen, the book, written in nineteen seventy nine, was Stephen King's first number one on the bestseller list. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. I mean, it's seventy nine. He really got really, really big in the eighties. In the eighties. Also, I mentioned the name Brooke Adams. We've had her on the show before. That's the character of Sarah in this movie. She was Elizabeth in Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: What is the Dead Zone about, Kelsey?
2: A man leading an idyllic life gets into a car accident, goes into a coma for five years, and when he wakes up, he has the gift of sight, although it's not quite clear how it works. But he has it, mm-hmm. and sometimes it allows him to see the future, and sometimes allows him to see the past. It just depends on what works for the film. We find out what happens from there.
0: The movie is available with a subscription to Cinemax, Fandor, DirecTV, and Spectrum On Demand. You can rent it for $4 on most services, or buy it for $10 to $13. $10 on Amazon, Google, and YouTube. Should people watch... The Dead Zone.
2: I would say yes. I think it's good. I, I it's not the most amazing thing I've ever seen, but I think it's good.
0: I think there's a there's plenty to enjoy about this movie, and I am going to say something about it negatively by the time we get to the end of the of the film that might surprise Kelsey. Okay. Cuz it is an argument that we have all the time, and I'm usually on the other side. Okay. But I think the performances are great. I fucking love Martin Sheen and Christopher Walken in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think they are fantastic. And I love watching them on my screen in this context. And yeah, I think it's really enjoyable. It is a brisk hour 43 and doesn't feel like it. That said, it ain't perfect. No. You're not going to walk away thinking that, oh my God, this was a fantastic movie. And I'm... Surprised that some people did, to be honest with you.
2: I'm interested. I'm very intrigued with yeah. what you're going to say.
0: But, yeah, watch it. It's Dead Zone. Don't bother with the TV show one, the Anthony Michael Hall one. I remember watching that when that was on television.
2: I never watched that. But this is I probably it. one of the best serious roles of Christopher Walken's. Career? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean there's a lot that he's been in that I haven't seen him in, so
2: I guess that's probably true for me too. Just from what I've seen him in.
0: This is Right. The best. I mean starting in the 90s or thereabouts, he was stunt casting basically in a way. Or just He was every single character he played was Christopher Walken. Yes. You know. Oh, that's the Christopher Walken character. Yes. He was just Christopher Walken on screen. (laughs) Yeah, I think he did. I I think he's the best actor in this movie. I think he does a really stellar job.
2: I just think that the acting is just decent all around. I don't know that he does an incredible job. There are times when I'm just like, Are you awake? (laughs) There are times when he just looks very asleep.
0: Yes, he is slow and not very animated uh, Like you'd normally expect him to be Although there are moments The ice is gonna break (laughs) Anyway, you can take our advice or leave it When we get back, we will talk about 1983's The Dead Zone If the future were in your hands The screaming The
1: house is burning would you change it, honey? Honey, it's not too late. Touch this man's hand, and you are in the grip of the dead zone. I've had another episode. Only the imagination of author Stephen King could take you there. Johnny, wait. With a power that alters the future lives of those you love. You want to kill your own son? I want you out of here.
2: Well, I'm scared, Dad.
1: Or of those you fear. I have had a vision that I am going to be president of the United States someday, and nobody, I mean nobody, going to stop me. Is it a power for good or for evil?
3: If God has seen fit to bless you with this gift, you should use it.
1: Bless me? You're the devil. Yeah. Send it for me. Who are you? Who sent you? I'm scared, sir. What's yeah. happening to me? gonna get married johnny don't leave me please don't you see how clear it all is not only can you see the future i can change it it, 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 it. i was there i saw it put your hand on the scanning screen and you'll go down in history with me i saw his face i stood there i did nothing johnny (laughs)
0: Stephen King, The Dead Zone. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does The Dead Zone begin?
2: With the ridiculously named Johnny Smith.
0: It is commented on in the book.
2: <laughs> Character played by, of course, Christopher Walken. He is an English teacher and he is reciting The Raven to his class. Yep. And he assigns them to read Sleepy Hollow.
0: Why is that funny, Kelsey?
2: Because he's in Sleepy Hollow. He's the
0: Headless Horseman in Sleepy Hollow. Go back and listen to that episode.
2: It's a good, it's a fun movie. It's like the last good Tim Burton movie.
0: That is way back episode 27 from April of 2018.
2: We did it in April? Yeah. What what did we do it with?
0: Uh, Hexen.
2: Oh, Witches. Yeah. I see.
0: I see the connection there.
2: Hexen's a good movie, too. Oh, yeah, nobody listens to that episode.
0: Yeah, you should go back and listen to it. Hexen's interesting. If you haven't seen it, it's, like, all over the place now.
2: Mm -hmm. But so he has a surprise for his girlfriend, who is a teacher there. And I think they're – I guess they're supposed to be pretty young.
0: Yeah. I would
2: imagine if they haven't had sex yet. Listen,
0: Christopher Walken has never looked young a day in his life. I have no idea what Sarah sees in him with that haircut. Oh my God. <laughs> I guess it was the seventies.
2: <laughs> it was the seventies. It was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> but who couldn't go for the, uh, go for Christopher Walken reciting the Raven. I mean, really. And
1: the Raven never flitting still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming. And the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul from out that shadow that
0: lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. He's so good. There is actually a full recording of him doing The Raven, uh, which you can find on YouTube that they did for an album where they had people reading Edgar Allan Poe's stuff. That's awesome. Mm -hmm.
1: Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked up, starting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul had spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door, quoth the raven. Nevermore.
2: And his surprise is that he's going to take her to the roller coaster, which. I get that it's supposed to be cold outside, but it is a Friday night and There's nobody else
0: No <laughs> one there. Yeah. That seems a little strange. Uh-huh. But he ha- he gets like a little bit of a headache.
2: Yeah, and I don't know what that's supposed to be. Is that supposed to be him envision like seeing that he's going to be? So the an book accident? is a little
0: bit more clear on this. The first time he has any sort of premonition is when he's a kid and he's ice skating and he gets knocked out. And then he mumbles something about somebody being in danger or something. That's the first time he has a little twinge of the premonition when he gets hit on the head. and Then he falls into the coma and that's what like fully unlocks it. So there is this idea that that potential is in him already. He didn't gain the ability because he was in an accident in the milk and whatever, you know, somehow like it's not a comic book explanation. It's. He's had that capability somewhere locked inside of his brain, and the coma kind of, well, the brain damage kind of unlocks that.
2: What does that have to do with?
0: So I think that's what, you know, that's like a nod to the idea that there's something going on in his head already before the accident. Okay. They don't really go into it, but in in the book he has cancer. He has brain cancer. He has a tumor.
2: Oh. Why didn't they do that in the movie?
0: We'll talk about it.
2: Well, that would make more, that makes sense because at one point in the film, and literally guys out of fucking nowhere, he's like, I'm not getting any better, am I? I'm getting worse. And I'm like, what? Uh And then they never bring it up again. And then you're like.
0: Well, they talk about how like the more he uses the power, the weaker he becomes. In the last few months, I've done some research into the area
1: of psychic phenomena. Several cases, such as yours, have been documented. I was, I was surprised to discover. And the pattern is always the same. As the spells, the, the visions, grow stronger and more powerful, so the body weakens. But I don't really need any research or documentation to see that this thing is sucking the life right out of you. One look at you can tell me that. You mean I'm going to die?
2: But that would make sense with why he supposedly isn't doing well, and that makes more sense why he'd be willing to die for,
0: I mean. He is given a prognosis of like months to live. In and the movie? He, he, in the book.
2: But not in the movie. But not
0: in the movie. You mean I'm going to die? How long? I
1: think we can, we can arrest the process. Reverse it even. We will talk
2: about it. Is the implication that they both are like full-blown adults with jobs, living in their own homes, and they both have never had sex before, or is it just that they, the two of them, haven't had sex and they're waiting to get married? I can't tell.
0: Well, he does have a religious mother.
2: Oh right, right, right.
0: Do we and know it is he's living in the seventies? Huh. I don't know. Do we know he's he lives at home? Does he live with his parents?
2: I don't know, but when he takes her home, she tell- asks him to stay the yeah, night.
0: She's probably living in the same place, but he probably has family back home that he has to answer to. We never get any indication that he lives on his own, do we?
2: I guess it'd just be strange to me that she lives in a house all by herself and he doesn't.
0: Happens. When we met and started dating, you were living on your own and I wasn't.
2: I guess that's a point. Anyway, he says, I'm going to marry you. And she says, You better. And this is the classic case, you know, the the guy is head over heels for this woman he's about to marry her. I'm thinking of like Castaway, you know. Uh-huh.
1: And, and then, then they something leave.
2: happens. Mhm. Mm-hmm. They leave and the woman gets married and has a kid. Yep. In a very short amount of time.
0: <laughs> he insists on going home because I guess it just wouldn't be right or whatever and some
2: things are worth waiting for.
0: Yeah. And then it's rainy and
2: And a guy a milk driving truck, a semi.
0: You know, with like a giant tank in the back filled is with falling milk. falling
2: asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, why wouldn't this person pull over? I feel like they, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I can not- tell
0: you why they wouldn't pull over. Truckers take a lot of drugs to stay awake, specifically because the faster you get somewhere, the more money you make, the more jobs you can do.
2: I understand, but you're falling asleep at the wheel in rain. Yep. With a giant truck. Uh huh. Anyway, I feel like Stephen King hates semi trucks because <laughs> that's what happened in Pet Cemetery. Pet
0: Cemetery. Dash! Maximum Overdrive.
2: We made you!
0: I'm sure he's done more that I just can't think of off the top of my head.
2: Yeah. Didn't like him. <laughs> And this, remember, guys, was all well before he ever got hit by a car. Yeah. As far as we know.
0: Yeah, his life-threatening car accident was in 99.
2: Way after Misery, guys.
0: Yeah, uh uh-huh. Misery's about drugs.
2: So he wakes up at the Wysak Clinic five years later. he doesn't
0: know it's five years, but his mom lets it slip. Also, I have written here, look, Mom, I get you're religious, but do you have to talk like that? The Lord has delivered you from your trance, and now reborn unto me. Like, she talks like she's in a cult. It's
2: classic Stephen King.
0: Yes, very, very much so.
2: Only this is a mom you actually like. This is a religious lady you like. And you know, sometimes you do like his
0: religious characters. Yeah, I mean, she's a little annoying, but she's not like overzealously oppressive and a villain. She's a mom and she loves her son. Mm-hmm. And she's really upset that she hasn't seen him in five years. And who can fucking blame her, right? Like, she's a likable religious woman, which is not common in Stephen King movies.
2: Mm hmm. <laughs>
0: Sarah ends up stopping by and he's sort of already come to terms with the fact that she is married.
2: Yeah, she he gets told that cast her away from your thoughts, Johnny. <laughs> She's clung to another man now. Cast <laughs> yes. her from your thoughts, John. She's turned her back on you.
0: She cleaves now onto another man, a husband. To another man. <laughs> this but is what I'm talking about. <laughs> But when she visits, she reveals to him that not only is she married, but she's had a kid, and he didn't know that. Kids, too. I didn't know that. It's
2: fucked up, man. Uh huh. But again, it's, you know, this is what happens. They have to be stuck, they have to have the baby so they can't just walk away. Yeah. But so he's still staying in the hospital when a nurse comes to check on him. And as she's wiping his brow,
0: he grabs her arm suddenly
2: and sees Amy.
0: Amy! (laughs) He sees a vision, and we get to see him physically there, too, which is really great.
2: It's a really well-done scene.
0: Uh, And she's in her bedroom. Little Amy is in her bedroom, and it's on fire. And so he tells the nurse Amy, and she's like, But that's my daughter's name. My daughter's name is Amy. And he's like, There's a fire. It's not too late. Save her. Amy's screaming. It's not too late. Your daughter's screaming.
2: Hurry up! So right now, he is able to see the present?
0: Yes, And he knows it's the present, which is the crazy thing.
2: There will be confusion, in my opinion, and you can totally disagree with me, about whether or not the people in the vision can see him. Because sometimes it seems like they can, and sometimes it seems like they can't.
0: Uh, I don't think so. I can see how you. it might be a question that you ask, but I didn't get that impression.
2: There will be confusion over whether or not the person he is Touching can see? Can
0: see it, too. What
2: he's seeing?
0: I would assume not.
2: Absolutely. But the way they behave tells you that Uh there's something going on?
0: Uh Uh-huh. It's not even necessarily a vision of that person. Like, in this case, that's her daughter. So it's not information that she knows. But then in other cases, it's visions from their past. And in other, other cases, it's visions of their future. Yes. And so... How the power works is not really expounded upon, and this is one of the problems I have. The only visions we get are the ones that are necessary for the plot of the movie to happen. That's
2: what I said earlier, only when it works for the film.
0: Exactly. And I think seeing more of these visions at lower stakes might go a long way to fleshing out the power and how it works, getting us more comfortable with it as he becomes more comfortable with it. Cause there are going to be moments where he just knows things about how his power works and we didn't learn those things. And the way it's told is really sloppy. Like they just jump moments in time and like over the course of a scene, it's much later. How much later the next day, a week later, a month later, a year later. We don't know. It doesn't provide us any context. Like, oh, these two people are just best friends now, and they just met in the previous scene. It has a problem with that, and I'll get into why I think that is later. Yes, the nurse does, in fact, save her child. Well,
2: she doesn't need to save her. By the time she gets there, the fire department Mm. has saved the
0: daughter. By the time the camera gets there, she is already there with the firefighters. But I assume she called the firefighters or something, or she might have been there already, then the camera shows up and they're preventing her from going inside. We don't know necessarily how long she's been there.
2: I don't know. From my perspective, it looked like as soon as she showed up is right when he was coming out with her daughter. This
0: is my point. The camera gives you that impression, but there's nothing about what's going on in the scene that says that she couldn't have already been there. I think this this is surprising, considering it's a director that I generally like in Cronenberg, that he would do things like this. It's like he doesn't have full command over how his camera is telling a story. It's just surprising. Mm. I wouldn't have expected it. Mm. This isn't the first time I've seen the movie either, but it's the first time I've thought about it.
2: Mm-hmm. In one of the very next scenes, the doctor is helping him recover because, you know even though they were able to exercise him while he was in a coma, like, things have gotten smaller and stuff. God, the human body is weird.
0: It is weird, yeah.
2: And so he, like, shakes the doctor's hand, or the doctor helps him stand up or something. And when he does, all of a sudden Christopher Walken, who, by the way, every time this happens, I can't tell if he's, like, in pain. Or if it just frightens him, what he's seeing?
0: What's literally happening is Cronenberg is firing blanks so as to surprise him. Oh, So that's why he flinches like that. He didn't want it to to look unnatural, which it does anyway.
2: Yeah, it looks very.
0: So instead, they, they fire a gun, and so it needs to look like it's involuntary.
2: Well, I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be showing pain.
0: It's just Christopher Walken's weird, man.
2: <laughs> or fear or shock i couldn't uh-huh. tell but he starts to say the wolf is loose <laughs> the wolf is loose and he's like she sent him but she stayed behind or you know he's telling the story that he, she say this woman saved her young son and he's like who's this boy who's this boy and he's like you, you are you are the boy and he's like, your, your mother saved you, but she, and she survived. Now, it doesn't show how he knows that.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, You see what I'm saying? Like, he just knows things and we don't see it. hmm So.
2: And he knows all her information.
0: That is not possible, John. She survived. John, my mother is dead. She's alive. I know her name. I know where she lives. And she, her number's just listed there. It was there the whole time.
2: And he calls, and it's very, very painful, and hard. he doesn't even talk. to her We don't the first hear if he time. ever
0: talks to her. At least well, I think that we're
2: time. no. We tell we get confirmation that he talks to her later, and we get confirmation that he didn't talk to her here. Uh huh.
0: But yeah, he his mother, who split them up so her son could live during the Holocaust, ended up surviving and is still alive. And he got confirmation, and and Johnny revealed that to him.
2: But during this time, so far in the story, he's seen two things. Two things. And yet, all of a sudden, the papers want to talk to him?
0: Yeah. I mean, do we even know that the papers know about the Holocaust part? Or is it just the burning building? Because I'm sure the mother was like, you know, oh, my God, this one of my patients grabbed my hand and said that my daughter's uh, room was on fire. And I came and it was and we were able to save her and like... You know, like, I'm sure she's talking about it. I guess. And he becomes a celebrity, sort of.
2: So, because when his ex shows up, she's like, everybody knows that you have the site, the second sight. And it's like, uh-huh. two things happened. Right. Two things. And the whole town I knows? guess because
0: it's a small town in the 80s.
2: I guess. Because it is the 80s now. <laughs> yeah, and now she's a mother. She doesn't teach right. anymore. Which I don't know if the impression is we're supposed to get is that, like, if she had been with him, she never would have given up uh-huh. teaching.
0: I don't know. This is also where we get the conversation about Sleepy Hollow, uh, where he talks about how he can't get... This is the last assignment he gave his class, and he can't get the book out of his head. He keeps thinking about the line when Ichabod Crane disappears. The line goes... As he was a bachelor and in nobody's debt... Nobody troubled their head about him anymore. Sarah asks him kind of stupidly, almost like she's not paying attention. It's weird for her character. Is that what you're afraid of? No, it's just written so he gets to say this next line. That's what I want. And he's very quiet, which is part of what makes this an unusual walk-in performance for people that grew up on him in the
2: 90s. Agreed. But... Yeah, I mean, there's just some really sad lines in this scene where it's just like, you know, my feelings haven't changed. I get that you have moved on, but.
0: It's really calm and mature. Yes. And it's, this is just the reality, you know? It is
2: very calm and mature. It's,
0: this is, I'm just, I'm just going to have to come to terms with this. But you need to understand that for me, this is just the next day. Same thing happened in Castaway. But in Castaway, he did have all that time. But it was like another life for him, right? In this, it is, as far as his brain is concerned, those five years never happened. And he got into an accident, and then the next day, he sees the woman he just dropped off the night before. She's married and has a kid.
2: When she leaves, she is sobbing. It's Mm -hmm. very, very sad. It's a very touching scene. But yeah, so now the press conference happens. And there's this odd scene where this guy is trying to press his buttons because he doesn't believe that he can do it. Mm-hmm. Chris, if you heard about somebody who did those two things, mm-hmm. would you assume he was a charlatan? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would. Would you challenge him the way this guy does? Not the
0: way this guy does. This guy's a dickhead. <laughs> I'd probably be more but likely to do it. But you only feel
2: that way because you know Christopher Walken isn't lying.
0: No, I, 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 I think, like, I've seen people challenge fake psychics before. Like, The Amazing Randy and Johnny Carson. I mean, hell, even Penn and Teller, right? Penn and Teller are maybe a little bit more crass about it. And The Amazing Randy, over time, got really, like, fed up with these people. But yeah, like you just bring them on and then you just calmly say something like, okay, well, these are our materials that we prepared. Go ahead and show us. You know, you're not a dick about it.
1: And I tend to be sometimes skeptical, which may not be fair to him. You should probably have an open mind on this. Would you welcome, please, Uri Geller. Nice to see you. Thanks. We, um, we this, have only met. This scares me. This, this scares you? Well, this yeah. is, ju- we just got some things together here. And as I said, as you... As you progress and do what you want to do tonight, well, right. you can tell us what you would uh, like to try, and we'll leave it up to you. I'll
3: try when I will really feel up to it, okay?
1: I'm looking forward to it. I really am. All right. I don't mean to press you. Uh,
3: okay, Uh, let me see.
1: He is really suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a hard time with you. Okay, I, I don't mean to be, all right? I really no, don't. Just, just keep looking.
2: Well, Walken explains, because the guy... Of course, is asking about the election, and Walken is just like, What the fuck are you even talking about? And it is the presidential election, right?
0: No, it's a it's a Senate election.
2: Oh, a Senate election. Yeah. He uh-huh. wants to become a president.
0: The the implication is that this is the start of his presidential career. He first joins the Senate and then becomes this big popular senator and then eventually runs for president.
2: Man of the people, right?
0: Uh-huh. Populist.
2: But so this heckling journalist gets a dose of medicine here because Walken's like, fine, come on up here and shake my hand.
1: Hey, John, touch my hand. Tell me, is, is my house on fire, John? Do you want me to stop no, this?
3: I'll tell you about your house. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? Do you want to you know the future? you want to know if you're going to die? Is that it? You're going to die. I'm going to die. You want to know if you're going to die tomorrow? Is that right?
2: But it's almost like he knows it before. You
3: want to know why your sister killed herself? Right. You don't. Go. It's not all right. It's okay. It's not okay. 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 I'd like to tell you now. I'm not gonna talk about that. Let go
0: of me, you fucking freak.
1: Stop it. Please stop it. Please stop it.
3: Thank you ladies and gentlemen.
0: I think it's more like he doesn't want all the fame, but he also doesn't want to be called a liar. And he takes offense to that. And so he's like, fine, you want a demonstration? I'll give you a demonstration. It's not like he's challenging this reporter. He's just like, if that's what will prove it to you, then fine, I'll do it. I don't want to, but you're being a dickhead about it, so I'll do it. And so he says, "Okay," and he shakes his hand, expecting that nothing's going to happen. Like he's going to show up, everyone. He's showing off to the entire room. Look at me, prove that this guy's a fraud. But it turns out he does see something. Now, we don't see it. But he says it out loud, and the reporter reacts very negatively to it.
2: And Walken knows it almost immediately. That's what I mean. Like there isn't like the the shock moment yes. where he has
0: to see it. I, I think, especially with the one that happens later with Stilson, it proves to us that what he sees, he sees in an instant. Because there is a whole scene in Stilson's flash forward that we get. That takes minutes to play out And he's not just holding on to Stilson's hand for minutes So it's immediate But we're external in this one We don't get to see the vision Probably for the best Because it's not a happy subject
2: Yeah, he's like You want to know why your sister killed herself? And it's like, oh
0: Jesus That's
2: a backstory
0: Yeah um, To just
2: gloss over there Uh-huh Steven. I'm sure Steven went into it. Yes. I'm sure that you get the entire story in the book.
0: The implication that we get is that this reporter did something improper to his little sister. It damaged her emotionally and she ended up taking her own life.
2: Yeah, and he's just like, I don't want to talk about that.
0: Yeah, we're not talking about that or whatever. Yeah.
2: But... While this is happening, remember this is on television, his mother sees it and his mother has a heart attack from this.
0: And dies.
2: Well, not before he doesn't show up at the hospital and he hears her say, leave your boots outside the door, you're a good boy. And then he hears her last dying breath.
0: Her death rattle.
2: Which, like seems super serious in this versus the last movie that we saw with Death Rattles that were recorded.
0: Oh, that was just last week. Yes. With my Valentine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. But when anybody talks about Death Rattles, you and I just think about Fight Club.
2: Yes. In the one line that she has about it. Yes. She
0: talks about it. Have you ever heard of Death Rattle before? So he ends up having to carry on with just his father.
2: Yes, and he, you know, he's not doing well, and at the same time, there's now a Castle Rock killer, because they live in Castle Rock, yes. we haven't mentioned that. and
0: I think this is the first Castle Rock.
2: No, we have not kept watching it, but we should have.
0: No, we didn't, yeah, we didn't watch, th- we started season two, right?
2: We never started it, I don't think. I feel
0: like we did. Oh. Like, we saw the first episode, and, and since it was coming out weekly, we just didn't keep watching it. Hmm. Anyway. So we get Tom Skerritt, which I don't think we've seen on the show since Alien. (laughs) He is Sheriff Bannerman, the Castle Rock Sheriff, who is just like, well, I doubt this is real, but we don't know if we don't try. I'm just going to do my due diligence and I'll ask the psychic. He's not like a dick about it, but he's like, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't try. I'll ask the psychic if he can help us out. But Johnny rejects him. Blessed me. Oh, God, it's so good. I think this is an example of Walken's fantastic acting in this movie. It is a great little scene (laughs) where when Tom Skerritt is leaving, he tries to guilt Johnny and says, you know, basically, if God had blessed me with a gift like yours, I would feel like I had to do something. If God
3: has seen fit to bless you with this gift, you should use it. Bless me. You know what God did for me? He threw an 18-wheel truck at me, bounced me into nowhere for five years. When I woke up, my 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 girl was gone, my job was gone, my legs are just about useless.
0: Bless me. God's been a real sport to me. Very good. Good job, Christopher Walken. Perfect casting.
2: Bless me. <laughs> well you know what it's all okay because now now that she's had sex
0: <laughs> oh yeah like, it doesn't
2: matter if we have sex now
0: <laughs> so she is making a conscious decision to have sex with johnny just the once because she never had the opportunity she's going to cheat on her husband with her baby in the other room and the dad out on an errand or some shit
2: I think, well, the dad's probably at work, because remember, she doesn't work anymore.
0: No, I mean, Johnny's dad.
2: Oh, yeah. Because it's at
0: his place.
2: Yes, good point. But yeah, the baby's in the next room. Uh just like, oh my god. But yeah, so she's like, yeah, let's just have sex, because I waited five years, and Uh however long they were dating.
0: Yeah. And so they do it, and the dad calls them out on it.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes, but he just laughs about it at the dinner table. But it's really fucking sad. The dad's, like, basically saying, like, this is what it should have been like. It's so nice to have a family, a family around here. the table. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: Because she's, she's gonna stay. She cooks dinner and stays. And it's like, yeah, I guess her husband must be out.
2: But then as she's leaving... He's about to say, I love you, and she goes, Don't say it, Johnny. And he says, Fine, then I'll just say goodnight. It's just so sad.
0: Right? Like, there's real quality stuff here. Am I going to see you again? Not
3: like today. Go inside, you're freezing.
1: It it doesn't have to.
3: Don't say it. Don't say it, Johnny. Mm I'll just say goodnight.
2: But another body shows up from the Castle Rock killer, who I guess is stabbing with tiny scissors.
0: <laughs> I guess
2: that's what he does. Yeah, that's his MO. And so, finally, Johnny, after having sex for the first time, is like, fine, God has blessed me. Fine. Uh-huh. I'll go and help you look for the killer. When he first shows up, like, they don't have anything, and he can't figure it out, and then the body shows up, and so he's able to actually touch the hand of the body. And apparently his ability works even if you're dead?
0: Yeah, I guess. Again, ill-defined powers. So he can touch objects... He could touch dead people. He can see the past, present, future. No real rules. No real rules.
2: But his response is great. She knows him. Not scared. Not scared. She knows him.
0: I didn't do anything.
2: (laughs) Uh, Who?
0: Dad.
3: (laughs) She knows him. Not scared. She knows him.
1: You all right? Dad, give
3: me a hand. I saw it. I was there. I saw him. I stood there. I saw his face. Who? I stood there and watched him kill that girl. Dodd. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you saying? I did nothing. I stood there and watched him kill that girl. What are you talking about? Dodd. I stood there. I did
1: nothing. Dod! Dodd, get up here. He just uh, took off in your car, Sheriff.
2: But, yeah, so he watches this woman be stabbed to death by Dodd, the assistant police guy who was helping Tom Scarrett, And Tom Scarrett's like, what? That can't be true. And he's like, Dodd, get the fuck over here. And they're like, uh, chief, Dodd just took off in your car. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, ah, shit.
0: Dodd was in The Brood, but I don't remember him. He was also a Marine in The Omen. I, like, knew I recognized him. I'm like, why do I recognize this guy? And that's the only thing I can come to, is that he was in The Brood and he was in The Omen. Two movies we've watched for this show.
2: Yep, but I don't remember him from either. Yeah, hmm But so they go to his house. And it, the mom
0: doesn't want to let them in. And he ends up touching the mom and he's like you knew, didn't you? You knew. You knew. <laughs> you knew. Didn't you? you knew. Is that your Christopher Walken?
2: <laughs> that's my that's him in this moment. It's
0: his tone, yeah.
2: And she's just like you are sent from hell. You're a
0: sent from hell. You.
2: <sighs> Double, sent
0: And Dodd has already killed himself. On his own scissors with Jesus.
2: Oh, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. He somehow can, like...
0: He gets all dressed up like the killer. You know, he puts on that coat and everything.
2: And then he pushes his own face into the scissors? Yes,
0: uh-huh. People have been known to do things that I can't imagine, like, my body would allow me to even do. Like... Jesus, I don't see how your body would let you do that. I mean, I can imagine it. I just can't imagine my body doing that. I don't, I don't know. know. It's pretty violent. It's scary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they open the door and he's already dead. And he's been vindicated. Obviously, he was right. He did see a vision. And now even the sheriff knows about it. But we won't fucking see Tom Scared again the whole rest of the movie.
2: That's the end of that story.
0: Yep. Moving on. Completely different story. Mm-hmm. Because this movie's plot... It isn't about a big mystery he's trying to solve. It's about Johnny coming to terms with how his life has changed in the past five years while he was asleep. And now he has this new and unique power and it's him dealing with it. And these are just events that happen into his life that lead to his ultimate fate. It's not so much about the events as it is about him.
2: Yes. That's a point. It's a point.
0: But. I don't know that they accomplished that in the movie that well. I think you could say that about the book. Maybe. Maybe. But anyway. So now we're going to go to the second part. We're going to jump forward in time. Who, God knows how long.
2: Yeah, who knows? Well, no, it can't be any time. No, no time passes. Because they're still building the the baby.
0: Oh, you're right.
2: He's still the infant.
0: But it has to be sometime. He gets a house and he moves out. He's living on his own across the street from a billboard. (laughs) In a month.
2: (laughs) In a month, apparently, because that baby's still a baby.
0: Yeah, uh uh-huh.
2: Looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there's this, like we said, there's this whole subplot about how he's not feeling well. But he says, I get headaches three to four times a day. A day,
0: yeah. That's because he has a brain tumor, which they never fucking mention in the movie.
2: How do you get headaches three to four times? Yeah, day?
0: I think it's because they don't last all day. I, I think especially you, you are prone to headaches, especially migraines. They're for long, expen- extended periods of time. And it's not like, how would you fit four of them in a day? One of them's practically the whole day. So, yeah, it. These are tumor-based. Do
2: people have headaches that only last for a short period of time? I guess. Is that a thing?
0: That's why headache medicine exists. People
2: don't have headaches all day? (laughs) This is a new concept
0: to me. But anyway, we're going to get the sort of third, I mean, I wouldn't call it a mystery, but it's the third part of Johnny's post-coma life.
2: (laughs) The third event.
0: Yes, where he becomes a tutor.
2: Which makes sense because he was a teacher,
0: exactly, and he doesn't like a lot of people.
2: But it doesn't make sense. The next step, he goes from being a tutor who sees kids and I guess helps them with their reading. Yeah, from uh-huh. what they show us.
0: Sure, he's an English which tutor. I guess.
2: How do you show English teach? How do you te- show English teaching without it being boring? I guess. Right,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but so or sounding fake. He's approached by this guy who doesn't ask him to be a tutor. But asks him to basically be like a counselor?
0: No, he wants – what he wants is private instruction because he heard that Johnny was the best at engaging the young men that he works with. And that's what his son needs because he's not engaged by school and he's very closed off. And he wants his son to open up. And he is a very rich man. And he is going to pay the best private tutor he could possibly hear about. It just so happens that the dude's psychic. And he'll say later, I don't care. I've heard about that. That's not why I hired you. I hired you because you were the best tutor. And that's not going to matter. His psychic ability will come to play when dealing with this young man.
2: Well, at the guy's house, the first time he comes to meet the boy he happens to also run into Martin Sheen who yeah. is like we said on the election campaign
0: cuz the kid's dad is a very rich man like we said he's going to donors looking for donations Martin Sheen is
2: yes and that's perfectly legal
0: right oh yeah oh we didn't say the father of the the little of the young boy who's being tutored is the one of the elders in the matrix You know, the one that talks to Neo on the balcony? Yes. uh With
2: the blonde, white blonde hair. Yeah. uh And when he meets Martin Sheen, he's going to hand him a button instead of shaking his hand. That's why he doesn't see anything in this moment.
0: I thought that that was a little clever moment. They don't really linger on it. It's not like, uh, did you see? He didn't touch his hand. It's just what happens. And they kind of focus on the fact that, oh. He's being smarmy. Yeah. That's exactly the word I was going to use. Martin Sheen is smarmy. Yes. But yes, the other side of that is that Johnny didn't get a chance to touch him.
2: Mm -hmm. And so he goes to meet the boy and they immediately hit it off.
0: Uh Uh-huh. He's very, very successful at getting this kid out of his shell. It's my dad that lives in a shell, not me.
2: But there is a weird interaction with the father. So that night after everything goes well, he'll be like, hey, you want a drink? And he says, no. And he goes, how about a beer?
0: He says, okay. Well, because he was pouring himself like gin or something like that and offering that up. And he said no to that. Well, he's like, okay, well, maybe not liquor, maybe beer. Ah. And he says yes to the beer.
2: And so they are watching television together and they see Martin Sheen doing a ridiculous thing. He supposedly has done 100 hundred push-ups in front of this huge crowd and they yeah. all counted one to 100. Are you uh-huh. kidding me? Everyone loves this
0: man. He's a populist. He's a man of the people. Yes. He just gives rousing speeches that gets people all worked up. And he's all bluster. And he has no actual political prowess.
2: And that's exactly what this... this father is saying he's like can't they see through this turkey it's like oh god I feel you
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the point is he has political prowess because he knows how to work the political system not because he has any idea what the fuck he's doing or any good ideas he's just all conceit
2: but Christopher Walken's gonna say, "Well, hang on. I thought that you were friends with this guy. It's uh-huh. like, dude, keep your enemies close. He, I mean, he's gonna he might win. Right?
0: If he loses, you don't want to be attached to him because he'll pull you down with him. But if he wins, you want to be friends with the winner.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's like, yeah, I hate the fucking guy. He's a schmuck. But I don't want him to know I hate him.
2: Now it's after this that well, I guess this isn't the first scene." that we uh, got without Christopher Walken because we did get a scene with the doctor going and speaking to his mother on the phone uh or trying to talk to his mother. So I guess that this isn't the first scene, but it does feel out of place. Did you feel like it was out of place? All of a sudden we follow Martin Sheen's character and we're seeing this scene where he threatens this journalist.
0: Why? I mean, I suppose we could have gotten a vision of that But I don't know how many opportunities we're going to have for Johnny to touch him. And do we want all of it crammed into the same place? So we need an opportunity to get confirmation so the audience already knows something that Johnny doesn't. And that is that Martin Sheen is a terrible person. And he will do anything to get what he wants. And once he set his mind to something, it will happen. And he doesn't care who he has to destroy to get it. And when there's a reporter who is going to badmouth him,
2: we have no idea
0: what he was going to say. Uh-huh. But he's going to say bad things about him that might convince people not to vote for him. He's going to blackmail him because he set him up with a woman to seduce him. And then now they have pictures.
2: Yes. And even when the journalist says, well, what if I don't back down? What if I'm okay with you ruining my life with my wife and son? He goes, then I'll just kill you.
0: Right. He's. This is where Martin Sheen says that he has a vision. Eh? That he will be president of the United States. And. I have had a vision
1: that I am going to be president of the United States someday. And I have accepted that responsibility.
0: And nobody. I mean. Nobody. Is going to stop me. I mean, yeah, he was in West Wing. And he was in the American president, but he wasn't the president.
2: He wasn't? No. No.
0: Michael Douglas. Was the president and Martin Sheen was like the chief of staff or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is an Aaron Sorkin script, an American president. So when they made West Wing, which was written by Aaron Sorkin, they tapped him to play the president in that TV show. Mm-hmm. Do you remember The American President? It's a whole movie about the president getting laid.
2: I remember, yeah, Annette Benning. Uh huh. Yeah, I remember that.
0: President's Day, ladies and gentlemen.
2: <laughs> yep. But so the kid is, uh, he's going to be tutoring the kid one day. And while he is doing so, he's going to get a knock on his door. The campaign trail for Martin Sheen's character. Uh And who does it happen
0: to be? It happens to be Sarah's husband.
2: The only reason we know that is because Sarah and the baby are also there.
0: Walk-in says to this guy, hey, you know what, I'm in the middle of tutoring, I can't really talk right now. And the guy says, well, do you mind if I leave you some literature? He says, yeah, sure. And then he calls out, honey, can you bring me some of those flyers? And up comes Sarah. With the baby, right? I think so. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And then like, oh, shit. And then the husband's like, oh, it's nice to finally meet you, Johnny. Completely oblivious to the fact Mm -hmm. that those two fucked.
2: Oh, oh, yes. (laughs) But he knows about their He knows, but yeah, because
0: she talks about him all the time. Yes. I mean, of course, why wouldn't she tell him about the man that she was engaged to, but then fell into a coma (laughs) and then just woke up after five years? Why wouldn't she tell him about that?
2: Yes. But so he goes back inside and is crying because of how traumatized Uh he is by seeing her with her new husband. And
0: the little boy, Chris, is like, what's wrong, Johnny?
2: Why are you crying? (laughs) And so he goes to hug the kid. Uh Uh-huh. And that's when he's going to see a really sad uh, vision.
0: Yeah. There's more they filmed to this that we didn't get to see. I
2: wish we'd seen it.
0: Including Christopher walking underwater. Should have seen it. But we see ice breaking and a kid in in full hockey gear sinking to the bottom. And that kid is Chris. Yes. He's like, oh,
2: shit. But he doesn't tell him. <laughs> he doesn't tell him because he doesn't want to frighten the kid because he doesn't know what it's about yet.
0: Instead, when he drops him off with his dad, he finds out that, oh, you know what? Chris has been doing so well. He's been making friends. I've decided to start a hockey team for him and his friends so they can compete. And we're going to be playing out on the ice. Johnny's like, oh, no. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> you can't immediately do that. He says, call it off. Uh-huh. You can't do that. and The it,
0: ice is going to break. <laughs> the ice
3: is going to break.
2: And the kid's like, I'm scared, Dad. And the dad fights back about it until finally the dad relents and says, fine, we won't do it. Because, uh, because Christopher Walken's not leaving.
0: I thought this was a fun moment later when we get another moment when Johnny's not there between the father and the son. And the son's like on his computer. And the dad's like, all right, come on, get ready, we're going. And he's like, wait a minute, I thought you said we weren't going to go. And he's like, I just told that to him to get him out of here. Mm-hmm. We're going, we're having fun. And he, Chris doesn't move. And he's like, well, you coming or not? And he just turns back to his computer and goes back to coding or whatever it is that he's doing on his computer. And the dad's like, fine. And he just leaves and he goes to coach the rest of the kids. We'll find out later that the ice really did break. And at least one kid died.
2: At least two, two kids, kids died. Two kids died. Yeah.
0: And this is going to weigh heavily on the father's heart. No shit. It's going to fuck him up. I should have listened to Johnny.
2: I that could have been my son. If I son. had just not been proud.
0: Uh-huh. And if I had gotten my way, my son would be dead. hmm So that's kind of the end of that chapter of Johnny's life. Well, he meets them again and finds out that the kid is still alive because he reads in the newspaper that two kids died, but it didn't say who. And so he goes and he visits, and he finds out that Chris is still alive. And he ends up shaking Chris's hand and sees nothing.
2: So I guess it's just, like, traumatic events?
0: I guess. I see, that's the thing. He's going to talk to his doctor about this, right? And I think this is where we find out that the more he does this, the weaker he gets. But really, what's happening is his brain tumor is killing him. But the doctor goes on to describe the term dead zone. So... Johnny's going to describe about how he sees this vision, but something was missing. And the doctor's like, what do you mean? And Johnny says, a blank spot, a dead zone. We don't know what the fuck he's talking about. We yeah, we haven't seen any blank spot. What are you talking about? What is this? But they like shoehorned this concept of the dead zone in. And then the doctor asks, well, first of all, did the boy die? And he's like, no, I talked him out of it. The boy's alive. And the doctor's like, ah, see? Not only can you see the future, but you can change it. And that is your dead zone. So the things you can change, you can't see. But that implies that the things he does see, he can't change. And he saw Chris going into the water. He's seen lots of things he did change. So the the movie's explanation of the dead zone fucking sucks. Do you want to know what the book's definition of the dead zone is? Because it's different. Sure. Sure. Like, you named your whole movie The Dead Zone, and this is the explanation we get. (laughs) Anyway, so like I said before, Johnny is ice skating. He gets knocked out when he's a little kid, and he, he has a vision. Later, he's a teacher. He gets in the car accident. He falls into the coma. Almost five years, he's in the coma. He wakes up, and he finds out that he has brain damage. Specifically, he has trouble visualizing certain objects in his head and, like, where they are. Because that part of his memory was damaged in his brain, and it's just a dead part of his brain. So the dead zone refers to a part of his brain that's brain damaged. That makes sense. And then as if to compensate, the rest of his brain, like, kicks into gear with this ability he has to see other things. Mm-hmm. If he can't visualize, like, a memory of where things are, his brain shows him other things now. And he gets those blackouts, he gets headaches, and that's because he has a brain tumor. And that's what gives him his negative prognosis that he's going to die in a couple of months, which gives him the courage to do what he's going to do by the end of this movie. But the dead zone is the zone in his brain that is literally dead.
2: That makes way more sense. Right. Way more sense. Much clearer, tighter, precise.
0: Exactly. So Johnny shows up where they've been putting up this billboard across the street from his house – he shows up at a campaign for Martin Sheen's character, Stilson because that's where Sarah's going to be.
2: Does he want to see her? Yeah. Hmm.
0: And then he ends up shaking Stilson's hand and seeing a vision of the future, which he saw with the icebreaking, right?
2: Which I assume is pretty far in the future. Yes,
0: he is president. He's at Camp David, I guess. And there's a general there and they're going to push a button to launch missiles. And he's going to... Th- cajole the general into doing it You against cowardly his bastard
2: The people speak through me It came to me in a dream last night Now do it or I'll hack off your hand and do it for you
0: Yeah, like he threatens him but also tries to convince him of the glory and their their righteousness and then people are knocking on the door outside after they do it, he opens the door and it's all the other senators I guess or other military officials or whatever The saying, UN? Yeah You don't have to do this, President Stilson. We figured out a diplomatic response or whatever to whatever the problem is. And he's like, gentlemen, the missiles are already in the air. Hallelujah.
2: So he's going to kill millions of lives.
0: Yes. I I assume. Yeah. So he decides, oh, fuck, this guy got to die. And he's going to attempt to assassinate political candidate Greg Stilson.
2: Well, but he does have, he doesn't just decide he's going to kill him. He goes and talks to... The doctor.
0: Oh yeah, and they have the conversation about Hitler. Would you kill Hitler? Which is an interesting conversation because the response that the doctor gives is, you know, I took the Hippocratic Oath. I made a promise not not to harm anyone and to, you know, improve the state of mankind. Because of that, I would absolutely kill the best.
2: I would have to kill him.
0: Yes. Uh huh. Which is an interesting take on a classic doctor's argument.
2: Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good because you think it's leading up to, so I couldn't do it. Right. But it it leads to, no, because I'm here to save lives. Yes. I, of course, would have to kill Hitler. Uh
0: And so he's like, okay, all right, I guess that's, I have to do the same thing. You know, I have an opportunity now to stop the man who will be the next Hitler.
2: And he writes a great letter to his ex.
0: Oh, it's a great letter. Saying, Dear Sarah, this
3: is a hard letter to write, so I'll try to make it short. I can't go on hiding anymore, that's what I've been doing, running and hiding, you know I had this figured out all wrong, I always thought this power of mine was a curse but now I can see it's a gift, anyway by the time you get this letter it'll be all over, you never will understand why Sarah, guess nobody ever will but I know what I'm doing, and I know I'm right. Just remember, there's never been anyone for me except you. Just wasn't the cards for us, I guess. I'll always love you, Sarah. Johnny.
0: Uh-huh. So he camps out in a balcony at like a church or a community center or something where he's gonna give a speech in front of an audience. And people show up and he's like, oh, oh God, he wakes up Mm. and a bullet drops, but nobody catches it. It rolls under a chair and he loads the rifle up. And then Stilson, as he comes in, gets to kiss Sarah's baby. And he's like, that's what I'm supposed to do, right?
2: Crying so much.
0: Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, we need a baby up on stage. Grab your baby. Grab your husband. Come up on stage with us. Right. So now we got the baby on stage as well. And then he gives a little bit of a speech. At a certain point, Johnny decides, now's my chance, and he stands up, and he pulls out the gun, and somebody notices him, and then Sarah notices him, Sarah, and then he notices Sarah. He did not expect her to be there. He just popped up, and she's there. That causes him to miss his shot. However, Stilson is being shot at and realizes that the shooter has been affected by the presence of somebody on stage here. And in response, grabs Sarah's baby and holds it up in front of him and cowers behind the baby.
2: Yes, and a reporter takes pictures of this. Yes,
0: Stilson's right-hand man though does shoot Johnny, and he falls from the balcony. And everyone's running outside. However, there are no police. At the there are no police at this campaign rally. Yes, Sarah takes back her baby and is very upset. And oh, Johnny and. He grabs Johnny by the lapels or whatever and asks him, why'd you do that? Who
2: sent you? Who sent you? And he touches him. And what does he see? It's
0: over. You're over.
2: But what does he see?
0: Oh, he sees him kill himself. Yes. Yeah. And he says, you're over. It's over. Yes. And when Stilson realizes what he's talking about, he turns to his right hand man and is like, why couldn't you catch that cameraman? And he's like, I didn't see him. The implication is that, yeah, I'm your right-hand man. I'll do a bunch of awful things. I can't fucking believe you just held up a baby to protect yourself. Right? You're disgusting. Like, I'm I'm a bad guy. You fucking suck. (laughs) And, yes, sure enough, Stilson's ruined and he's going to end up committing suicide, which is like Jesus movie. But, okay. And then Sarah cries as Johnny dies. I love you. Which is 80 yard in, and I felt it was unnecessary. He did what he had to do because he felt he had to do it. Not for some sort of external validation from his lover. You know what I mean? (laughs) She didn't
2: say I love you because he did that.
0: No, I know. But like, oh, I I, I heard everything I need to hear. My life is complete. It's like those biopic movies when you know that a real person – is going to die and they get to wrap up all of their storylines in a nice, neat little bow right before they die. And it's like, yeah, that would never happen in real life. Are you kidding me? Like the, the Biggie Smalls one notorious does that. He just happens to get on a, the phone and talk to every person he's ever wronged and say he's sorry right before he's shot to death. Go fuck yourself. No, I hate that about biopics. They're just sappy bullshit most of the time. There are some really, really good ones, though. But they're few and far between. But anyway, I thought that was unnecessary. Okay, he dies, and movie's over. It's the end of the movie. So my problem with the movie. I wrote down here, the movie feels too fast. You get one scene with a new character, and you're supposed to understand that they're best friends in the next, if you see what I mean. We only see the plot-dependent visions. We don't even know what the missiles were about. We get no context for that. They find the killer, and then Tom Skerritt is gone from the movie. And then he saves the little boy, and then the little boy is gone from the movie. So my problem is mainly from the construction of the story. Everything else is great. Love the acting, especially. Arrowtown, it suffered from the adaptation. How it needed to be abridged. It's not like it actually is too short. It's almost a perfect length at an hour and 43 minutes. But the story we get is not constructed to be told in an hour and 43 minutes. It is not constructed to be a movie.
2: I feel like the movie could have been better interwoven, interlaced.
0: This is exactly what I mean. I am generally not anti-adaptation. Kelsey generally is. Generally. There are bright spots, you know. But most of the time, she'll find, and not unreasonable, complaints about things that change in the movie. While my perspective is mainly one of, well, yeah, it's a movie, it's an adaptation, they're gonna need to make changes, I don't really care. As a matter of fact, I would prefer they make changes to make it a better movie. This didn't do that. The adaptation isn't great. It, it feels like it's constructed like a book, but it shoved into an hour and 43 minutes. So they had to abridge so many things. And we get these like eras of his life told in, you know, three scenes. Mm -hmm. This should have been a TV show, which is funny because it was, but that TV show from like 2000 or the early two thousands or whenever it was with uh, Anthony Michael Hall
2: Mm
0: -hmm. was like a case of the week thing. Like every new week he'd, There'd be some new thing going on. He'd get some vision and he needed to stop it from happening. And then it was resolved by the end of the week. Like everything was back then. Procedural, right? This should have been prestige serial television. It should have been told over time. They should have taken their time with it in order to get that adaptation right. Or they should have changed more. Like they didn't change enough. It's just not built like a movie should be built. But all the other elements... I liked. Oh, I did mention that I'm very surprised by Cronenberg. It's not as good as I would expect a Cronenberg movie to be. I mean, as far as how it was filmed. But yeah, that that kind of leaves the acting being like the the brightest part about this movie.
2: Yeah, it is absolutely little vignettes and it does feel odd because they're not short vignettes. Like they're yeah, it's like it's like part 1, part 2, part yes.
0: 3. Yes, uh-huh. Like you would expect a title card here. Yeah. But it's only 10 minutes of content.
2: It's kind of like, oh, I'm trying to teach my students about transitions.
0: Yeah, it has none. <laughs> there are no segues. Yes. So anyway, what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes?
2: I guess it's high. I will say 86.
0: 90. 90, wow. The Dead Zone combines taut direction from David Cronenberg. I will give it that. His direction does have some tension and it does a good job of looking at Christopher Walken and not flinching. Yes. He does, but the camera doesn't and it gets all of his tension on the screen for us the audience. The I think ice that's really good. It's got a break. break. <laughs> anyway, it combines taut direction from David Cronenberg and a rich performance from Christopher Walken, agreed, to create one of the strongest Stephen King adaptations. I mean, yeah,
2: a little bit, Uh, yeah. Funny enough, one of the ones I haven't read.
0: Yeah, definitely. I haven't read it either. I just read up on it.
2: I need to read it. My parents love this book.
0: But it has a Metacritic of 69. So, like, I think we're going to walk away with thumbs up, thumbs down, positive, negative, the Rotten Tomatoes scale. That's it. Two options. Positive. right? Right? Both of us we would show up as a positive review on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But is it 90% good? No. No. The Metacritic is the actual average of the scores gives it a 69.
2: I'm going to say that's too low.
0: Yeah, probably.
2: I was going to give it an 80.
0: I don't know if I would go that high. I'd, I'd say this is probably high 70s, but maybe not too high. I'm going to give it a... I'll give it a 76.
2: That makes sense.
0: I mean i I think I accurately described my issues with the movie, but it, again it it it's I'm more disappointed about it because there is so much here that I really really like, and if you just tweak this and that and the other thing, it could be such a great movie.
2: Yes, exactly. I exactly why it's a B minus. Like it's like uh-huh. it's good. It's definitely good. There's a lot of quality here. Yeah, but you could have tried harder.
0: <laughs> it could have been better told. I think mostly. Mm-hmm. It's a story that deserved to be better told.
2: Exactly, and there's enough potential here. You know, you you did this. You did this last night, didn't you? You did this last night,
0: right? B minus. Our, our next movie has almost the exact opposite problem, where they're trying to shove too little content oh. into its runtime,
2: and it's only an hour and a half. <laughs>
0: So our next movie, our our modern film, 2002's Bubba Hotep, written and directed by Don Coscarelli, based on the short story by Joe R. Lansdale, starring Bruce Campbell, Ozzie Davis, Bob Ivey, and Ella Joyce. Don Coscarelli, we have not covered on this show yet, although... There are multiple opportunities to do so, including the first four Phantasm movies, which he wrote and directed. Which we've seen the first Phantasm, we just haven't covered it on the show. Right. And John Dies at the End. He did the movie adaptation and John movies. Dies at the End. Good movies. Yeah. This is a very low-budget movie, as you might imagine. What is Bubba Hotep about?
2: Two old men who claim to be one claims to be Elvis, one claims to be JFK. Must fight a mummy from, like, Texas.
0: Well, he's not from Texas. He's like a
2: Western type of mummy. What
0: happens is he's being transported for a museum thing. He gets stolen. The people that stole him crashed into Mud Creek, East Texas. And he was trapped there for a long time. He finally gets out. He steals their clothes, I guess, for some reason. Which means boots... And a cowboy hat. Mm. So now he's Bubba Hotep, and he's terrorizing this old folks' home.
2: Uh, because they, they're because it's easy to take. It's their easy souls? to. He's
0: very weak, and it's easy to take their souls. But it's not enough to sustain him. As soon as he gets strong enough, he will branch out. Yeah. The movie is available with a subscription to Hoopla, ads on Tubi and Pluto, and to rent for four dollars on iTunes, Amazon, and Vudu. If you want to buy it, it's fifteen dollars on those same services. Should people watch Bubba Hotep? I'm going to go with no. I think if you're the type of person who should watch Bubba Hotep, you already, you've already watched Bubba Hotep.
2: <laughs>
0: you don't need us to tell you. I remember liking this movie when I first saw it way more than I like it now. I will freely admit I was exactly this movie's target audience. Just like a big Bruce Campbell fan, basically. And all of my buddies... Wanted to see this movie. We saw it. We all loved it. And looking back on it now, it was rose-tinted glasses. It must have been.
2: The movie's boring, man. It's
0: boring. It's so boring. And that's really, really surprising to me. We basically get an hour and a half of two old men wandering the same exact hallway until at the very end they set a mummy on fire. And that's the movie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I love Bruce Campbell. Yeah. I think he has a lot of charm, but the most of the movie is just him ruminating on what it's like to be old.
2: Well, and telling his story about how he was Elvis.
0: Exactly. I think that that's a clever idea. The idea is really, really clever. I want to read that short story. Ozzie Davis is JFK. Lyndon Johnson. They saved his life. Lyndon Johnson dyed him black and then disavowed. Any knowledge that JFK was still alive. So Ozzie Davis thinks he's JFK. And Elvis traded places with an Elvis impersonator. And then that impersonator is the one who ended up dying. And the record of their transaction burned up in a fire. And so nobody will believe, and so nobody will believe that Bruce Campbell is the real Elvis. They just think he's this Elvis impersonator. And they're both in this old folks home and it's that that is the story for most of the movie. And then there's commentary about the growth he has on his penis and how he can't get hard. That's the movie you're going to be watching for an hour and a half. Well, the last little bit is them figuring out what they want to do, figuring oh, out gosh. the mystery of the mummy oh, God. and then deciding they're going to do something about it. And then they do that something and then end of movie.
2: It is so boring, guys. Oh, my God. I could not. It's so boring.
0: I'm a little bit upset at how much I disliked it now. I almost wish I hadn't watched it again because this movie held a special place in my heart for the past 20 years. Everybody oh, likes like Bubba Hotel. Hotel. Exactly. Exactly. If you were in sort of the Bruce Campbell zeitgeist, that this is a movie that everyone was like, "Oh great, this is awesome." They really want to see the sequel, which doesn't make any fucking sense. No. Spoiler alert, he dies at the end of this movie. Well, it's implied that he dies. I guess he might not, huh?
2: I guess. <laughs> I don't
0: I don't really know. I don't I don't really care that I'm telling you this right now because you again, you've already seen it or you shouldn't see it. Or the slim chance that you should see it and you haven't seen it yet. The story is not what you're here for. It is paper thin. So you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, God, this is, I feel mean. When we get back, we will talk about 2002's Bubba Hotel.
3: How could I have gone from the king of rock and roll to this? Old guy in a rest home. You
1: were an Elvis impersonator.
3: You fell off a stage and broke your hip? Who was it? 20 years ago. That's where they
1: took a piece of my brain. I got a little bag of sand up there now.
3: Jack, President Kennedy was a white man.
1: They dyed me this color. What we have here at Shady Rest is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotep. You know, a mummy hiding out. Feeding on the sleeping.
3: He can just keep on feeding unless he's finally destroyed. Alright man, let's go. Don't make me use my
0: stuff on you, baby. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Bubba Hotep begin?
2: With the definition of what Bubba Hotep means. Uh, Hotep means that you are a descendant from the Egyptian pharaoh, uh, and Bubba is simply a name for uh, any male from the south, supposedly.
0: A good old boy, cracker, redneck, a trailer park resident. Yeah, so relative or descendant of the 17 Egyptian dynasties from 3100 to 1550 BC, with the family surname of an Egyptian pharaoh.
2: So then we get to meet Bruce Campbell, who is playing Elvis. What do you think? I don't think that it matters, really. I mean, like, the idea is that he was, he is the real Elvis. The Elvis Presley that we all listen to. And he just got sick of the fame and everything. He lost the love of his life, which I'm just like, and dude. And his kid. Right. But I'm just like, seriously? You guys are going to make like this love story out of Priscilla, who was way too young to get married, and he uh-huh. totally ran her entire life? Like, seriously? Okay.
0: It's not exactly a romantic story. It is
2: not. But then again, I'm... Why was I surprised then that they made a joke about JFK cheating on his wife? You know, right? Yeah, cool. But that is kind of that is, there is a lot of just that stupid male humor here. He will talk about his dick more than I thought.
0: This was necessary. a very this is a very very particular time in the in culture, right? The late nineties and early two thousands, which is when I was a teenager. And that was what the edgy humor was. So, like, high school age, college age, around this time, like, oh, somebody's talking about, you know, the growth filled with pus on their penis. That's edgy or that's hilarious.
2: Right. And, like, okay.
0: It was. It was. Let me be clear. It was hilarious. We fucking loved this shit.
2: That's why people, I guess, enjoyed Tom Green. Yes,
0: Yeah. very much so.
2: I never understood that, which is weird because, well, you could make the argument, well, don't you love Jay and Silent Bob? Yes, but Jay and Silent Bob make fun of themselves for doing that stupid humor. Yeah. Like, all the time they're calling themselves out for being Mm -hmm. children about it, you know? and there there's also heightened humor in there yeah. as well. I, think and I just don't think that there's any heightened humor in this movie.
0: I I agree and that's probably one of the most disappointing things is like to be clear, I own this movie on DVD and I have ever since it came out because we were really really into this. Like the concept of this movie even existing was the funniest fucking thing in the world and we loved it when it came out and it's been you know 20 years since then, and I probably haven't seen it in the past 15, and it just didn't age as well as I was hoping it would have. And part of that, I think, comes down to it can't commit to what it wants to be. We have this sort of, I don't want to say juvenile, you know, teenagers, college age humor, and that's wrapped around this package of elderly ennui and these two things just don't go together. It's a weird sort of conflict of themes.
2: I think that that's probably its only charm. Well, is yes, it has that it, it was mixing that. that stupid humor with with like the de- the depressing facts about getting old. I thought that that was at least something interesting, at least mm-hmm. something like different and unique. Okay. I thought they had that going for it but what you said the fact that like there's too much of it it's like yes i get it they move slow make that joke once and and make it a pinpointed joke i like i like the first time we see them going down the hallway yeah but don't do it again over oh no and over don't do it again, again. Yes. oh no no this
0: is a very very low budget movie and they filmed in one location and they needed to make like The one hallway that they had to work with looked like multiple different hallways in this maze of an old folks home. and But it doesn't. It looks like the same hallway every time. And we just get that same setting and them walking down this hallway over and over and over again. And I don't know that I can necessarily fault such a low budget movie for being inventive. But the end result...
2: Is not inventive. It doesn't well, it's look not, inventive.
0: At the very least, if I can see that they're trying interesting ways to tackle low-budget problems, I can admire it. There's nothing really to admire about the ways that they filmed this. They were just kind of like threw their hands up. Eh, it's a low-budget movie. Fucking deal with it. And that's like, you just have that excuse now and nobody can criticize you? Like, that's what it feels like. And I'm sorry, that's just not the case. Like, if they did something maybe a little bit more inventive, a little bit more creative, the creativity is pretty much all in the concept, and all of that came from the short story. Mm-hmm. So, like, did the filmmakers do anything specific to make this no worth it as a movie? And I'm I I hesitate there. I, I don't feel think like they,
2: they do. I feel like there there is not a lot of effort being put into this, and I feel like that's not. Bruce Campbell's it's fault. It's not
0: Bruce Campbell's fault. It's not Ozzie Davis's fault.
2: It's not Ozzie Davis's fault. I think that they actually do a fine job. Yeah. But there's just nothing for them to work with. I agree. And I'm kind of surprised that he signed on for this. But then again, I was surprised he signed on for
0: My Name is Bruce. Yeah, I'm not. This was this was Bruce Campbell.
2: Don't say that. <laughs>
0: He's not a bad person.
2: He's Ash. <laughs> he is. Always will be. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. But even that was a low budget movie and, and look at what they did with
2: yeah, it. Yeah, because it had Raimi at the helm right. and he was inventive and unique and crazy. <laughs>
0: Right. And, and that's, I think, probably the wrong lesson that people take, especially in horror, probably horror more than any other genre of movie is that because there are people out there that did incredible things with tiny budgets that anyone can just make a low budget horror movie. And if you're just creative enough, then it can still be good. But the problem is most of these people aren't creative enough and we end up getting stuff like Bubba Hotep, which is a great concept, and you get some great actors, and then you just aren't innovative enough to come up with things you can do on such a tiny budget to still make it compelling. Evil Dead, very, very much compelling because of what they did with that tiny, tiny budget. This, they didn't really do anything with their tiny budget. hmm They just kind of spent it and expected you to give them a pass.
2: Yep. Because it's Bruce Campbell. Uh-huh. And it's... He's playing Elvis. And it's like, yeah, what a great thing. And then what did you do with it? Right. Honestly, like, I think the best part about this is the story of Elvis. So I didn't get to finish what happens. So he was the real Elvis. And he got sick of all the fame. And he was lonely and sad. So he went to see this incredible um, impersonator of Elvis. And he made a deal with the impersonator. Hey... You go be me, and I'll be you. And that way, I don't have to deal with being famous, and you can finally have the fame you've always wanted. And
0: apparently they wrote some sort of agreement down.
2: Yeah, but, as we all know, Elvis died, so that's the impersonator playing Elvis. Sebastian Half. He was also a drug addict, and he died. And so the real Elvis, you're like, okay, so he probably went. He why didn't he ever go back? Well, because he lit his contract on fire from just a.
0: He was barbecuing, and, and there was an paying accident, attention. and and his whole entire trailer exploded. Yes, which was a fun effect, something cool you could do on your limited budget. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of that though.
2: And is Bruce Campbell fun as Elvis? Yes,
0: I think he's great.
2: He's a lot of fun as Elvis. Yeah. Except for all the parts where he's just whining about his dick. Yeah. Because that's, it just gets old after a while. You're just See, it's like, it's funny oh my because
0: God. I said dick, or it's funny because I'm an old man and I'm talking about my penis. Yes. It's like, yeah, maybe once.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm really sorry. I know there's a lot of people out there that are really excited that we're doing Bubba Hotep. You guys have said as much. And I, like, I just want to respond with that emoji with the wide, flat mouth, you know, with all the teeth showing, like, ah. <laughs> like, I don't. I was also really excited that we were doing Bubba Hotep. I
2: was excited to do Bubba Hotep. uh Everyone liked liked Bubba Bubba Hotep Hotep is what I was told, (laughs) is what I was promised. (laughs) And I love Bruce Campbell. That's the funny thing is that I feel like you guys probably don't think I actually like Bruce Campbell. I love
0: Bruce Campbell as Ash. (laughs) (laughs) I watched the first few seasons of Burn Notice. He was good in that
2: he gave spider-man his name
0: he did yeah
2: what did he originally want to be called spider boy
0: what's your name
3: kid the human spider the human spider that's it that's the best you got yeah oh that sucks the sum of three thousand dollars will be paid to the terrifying the deadly the amazing
2: spider-man I don't know, man. Ask the writers. (laughs) Bruce Campbell's great. And I think he does a great job in this. It's not his fault that this is the material they gave Mm -hmm. him. It is his fault that he signed on. But what can you do?
0: Yeah. I mean, you don't know everything about what it's going to be like. But anyway, yeah. So now he's stuck in this old folks home and... Everyone thinks he's Sebastian Half,
2: but he he knows he's
0: really Elvis.
2: right. And he had a fall, and this actually did happen. He had a fall off the stage. Yes. And he went into a coma, and it's after he came out of the coma that he started telling people, I am the real Elvis, and that's why people are like, oh, you just kind of went a little crazy after your coma.
0: Right. And I think it doesn't, like you say, it does not matter, and I'm surprised you're saying this, it does not matter if he's Elvis or not.
2: You're not going to
0: get a conclusion here. But I think think it's trying to say he is.
2: I think that maybe he really is.
0: Right, yeah. The uh real
2: Elvis. But again, it it doesn't matter because the fact that he's Elvis really isn't all that important to the story.
0: There's not like some late story twist that he has to be Elvis in order for a certain thing to happen. Right. And then like none of that, it's just... He wants to be something bigger than what he is right now. And whether he really is Elvis or not doesn't really matter. And this, the events of this movie give him an opportunity to do something great again. And I love that part of it. It's just the execution of that. Not too impressive. It's not bad. It's just not very impressive at all. It's kind of boring.
2: It's so boring. It is terribly boring. Right. Okay. So there's this crazy thief- who fucking sucks. She steals the... I think you're supposed to laugh. She steals oh, yeah. these glasses. Oh, yeah, because she's an
0: elderly kleptomaniac.
2: From a woman in an iron lung. And I'm like, that's not funny.
0: Yeah, but then she immediately gets killed.
2: Right, and you're like, cool, I don't care if you die at all. And she's got tons of shit in her room, so you know...
0: She's been stealing from a lot of people. Stealing yeah.
2: from a lot of elderly people.
0: Nothing happens to that woman in the iron lung, though.
2: I don't think so. Which is odd.
0: Yeah, we just never see her again.
2: Right. Oh, my God. I know, I know it is stupid looking. I know it is a gigantic piece of plastic. That doesn't mean I like looking at it.
0: Oh, the scarab? Yes. Yeah.
2: Which everyone thinks is a giant cockroach, because it looks like a giant cockroach, uh-huh. but really, it's a scarab. I don't like bugs, man. Mm-hmm.
0: But as soon as they go from the transition from the scarab and it gets killed eventually, by Elvis. Um, she
2: smashes it. But that's when Bubba Hotep shows up.
0: Right. And then, but Elvis will kill it as well. After after he kills it, we just never see a scarab again. So is it supposed to be like a a herald of Bubba Hotep showing up? Or isn't it?
2: I think they just- Is it just, doing
0: something for him?
2: I don't think it's doing anything for him. I think they just kind of- Follow him around. Right.
0: So why don't we ever see one ever again?
2: I don't know. I thought we did. I don't know.
0: I think the last time we see it is when he forks it and shoves it into the heater.
2: Well, Bruce Campbell is going to have a fight with one later. And it really felt like they were trying to recreate Uh Evil Dead 2.
0: Sure. Yeah. uh huh. Where he's fighting against his own hand. Yes. Yes.
2: Very much so. But I'm sorry, he's very specifically not Ash, he's an old Elvis, and the joke is that he can't move very well. So it's not interesting. Uh All the creative and fun things about Evil Dead 2, where he could run around and make crazy faces and and throw himself around.
0: We are so enamored with the amount of physical comedy that... Bruce Campbell puts himself through in that moment. And in this, the whole point is that the character can't do these things. And so now we just don't get that physical comedy.
2: So it just and it goes on for way too long.
0: Yeah, and then there's a joke with a bedpan, and because there's a bedpan, instant humor, I guess. No.
2: But I didn't like looking at it. Yeah.
0: In in between these two scenes, so that old that old lady gets killed, and there are there's this running gag of these Hearse drivers. That show up and carry these bodies away and they get like one off The
2: first time they made me laugh. Uh Uh-huh. I'll admit that. The first time he's just like.
0: Makes you wonder, doesn't it? What kind of life this old guy had?
2: Huh?
3: What kind of life he had? You know, his kids, his grandkids, his legacy.
0: Look at him now.
2: Who gives a shit? The first time. And that's the problem with this movie.
0: And then it just keeps happening. We just keep getting them again and again.
2: Over and over and over again. But she will show, for some reason, she comes to Elvis's room and she's grabbing onto his doorway and she's Uh like, help me. And he doesn't know if he's awake or not because that's kind of the joke at the beginning is that he's he's so old he can't even tell when he's awake or not. And I didn't know at the time. I wrote down. I was like, is that a dream? Is he having premonitions of what's going on? Is he somehow linked to this because he's Elvis? Like, he has some sort of ability? But no. No, it's literally just that he saw her getting killed mm-hmm. and didn't know if he was awake or not. And I'm like, you see where my mind went? Yeah. All I mean, these things it, you no could payoff. do? Yeah, uh-huh. You don't do anything. Is
0: this before or after elderly Matt Damon dies?
2: Matt Damon?
0: Matt Damon. His roommate who dies?
2: That's Matt Damon?
0: No. It's the older Matt Damon from Saving Private Ryan at the end of the movie.
2: Oh, it's the actor. Who plays
0: the older version of Matt Damon from Saving Private Ryan. Is that before or after he dies? He's going to die in the middle of the night.
2: Yeah. He'll die the next morning or whatever.
0: His daughter shows up and she's really crass about him dying. And it gives... Elvis more opportunities to lament aging.
2: Yeah. And again, I'm like, am I supposed to be laughing about the fact that a daughter doesn't give a shit
0: about her father who got right. a purple heart? It's like, not a funny situation. It's not
2: funny at all. And then I was like, is he supposed to have been a bad dad? Like, did he mistreat her? We get
0: no indication that that's the case. Yeah. Just like she's kind of a bitch.
2: Yeah. And um, and
0: we get that moment, which I think is probably one of the most standout, like, thoughts in the entire movie
3: is the revealing of her panties wasn't intentional or unintentional. She just didn't give a damn. She saw me as so physically and sexually non-threatening. She didn't mind if I got a bird's eye view of her love nest. It was the same to her as a house cat sneaking a
0: peek. There is something there and it is very melancholy, you know, just the desexualization of people as they get older, you know, does the movie have anything more to say about it than that? Not really, but it's going to repeat this same concept over and over and over and over and over again, that getting old sucks and people care about you less. And that's not fucking funny. Right? It's not funny. Right. It's depressing. Mm-hmm. But at least it does build to them making something of themselves, creating value for themselves, despite the fact that really your real point should be they, they just have inherent value. They shouldn't have to do any of this. To have value as living people, but the movie's not going to go there. hmm We see Bubba Hotep for the first time. Did he remind you of anybody? No. He didn't remind you of the villain from House 2?
2: Oh, I guess. You
0: know, he's like a like was a. Was he
2: supposed to look mummy? Like
0: him? I don't know if he was. I, can't, oh, I don't you, know what's in their brains.
2: <laughs> you're just saying that you thought that. Like I didn't know if I like, yeah, uh-huh. read about that. No,
0: but he's like a he's like a skeleton mummy thing with a cowboy hat, yes. and it's the villain from House Two.
2: You are correct. Yes, I had not. I had not thought about it probably because of how much I hated House Two. <laughs> oh boy, did I hate House Two! Also, there's this nurse lady who we haven't talked about at all.
0: Yeah, Ella Joyce.
2: Who, from Elvis's point of view, he thinks that she's this terrible, mean lady who, like, talks down to him and babies Uh him and all this shit. She
0: kind of does.
2: Slightly, but, like, she is also a woman who has to deal with these old people and their complaints and their disgusting problems, and she does it all with a fucking smile on her face, and she's polite and kind, and she could be a bitch if she fucking wanted to be. And she's not, and it sucks that he doesn't even consider that. Like, when he calls her a bitch, or whatever it is that he calls her later... You fuck off, you patronizing bitch! I thought it was really uncalled for. She was kind to you and, like, was polite about the shit on your dick when she could have uh made fun of you. She could have been a bitch about it, but she
0: wasn't. Ornery old people is funny. Equals funny, right? Like, that's just an instant joke. As a matter of fact, the movie still manages to guide that back to a place of melancholy when he cusses at these two women, the nurse and the daughter. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Get old. I can't even cuss someone and have it bother him.
3: Everything you do is either worthless or sadly amusing.
0: It's like, Jesus, this is depressing. Yeah, I don't get why I'm <laughs> supposed to be laughing. We also meet JFK the next morning.
2: <laughs> Probably has some of the funniest lines. Ozzy Davis, what do we know him from?
0: Uh, he's been in a lot of things, including 12 Angry Men.
2: Oh, is he in 12 Angry Men? He's in
0: the newer one. Oh, okay. The remake. The remake. He was in. Oh, he's the old one. He's one of the old ones. Yeah, there. Hume Cronin is the old one that sits next to, oh, the main character. Do the right thing. Oh, we just saw him in Grumpy Old Men, Kelsey.
2: Oh right, yeah. He's the
0: one that has sex with <laughs> Anne Margaret and then dies. Yeah. See, if you want to talk about a movie that's about getting old and how much that sucks, <sighs> but still manages to be absolutely hilarious, Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> It's hilarious. It makes aging funny. Yes. And this does not. It makes it just terribly sad and depressing.
2: So he claims that he is JFK Yeah, because after he was shot at, he decided it was too dangerous. So they went and had him... No, he
0: didn't decide that. Lyndon Johnson did that.
2: Did he? Because he wanted to be president?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's part of the It's one of the conspiracy theories is that Lyndon Johnson was either behind it or capitalized on it in a very shitty way.
2: (laughs) So that makes this joke make more sense Then Ozzie Davis is like he's talking about the Scarab because the Scarab apparently also went after him. But he also somehow. okay.
0: so what happened? So first he talks about how they dyed me this color. That's how clever they are, because Elvis is like, no offense, but Jack Kennedy was a white man. (sighs) Uh, But that night, when Elvis is fighting the Scarab, Ozzie Davis is fighting Bubba Hotep, who puts his mouth on his asshole, because that's a big, hilarious joke that you can get somebody's soul out of any orifice. And so this guy gets it out of your butthole. Like, okay, I mean, I guess. (laughs) But... He he scares it off or something like that, and uh, or Elvis coming around scares him off or whatever. He he survives,
2: yeah. And
0: then he's like, ah, it's probably LBJ. (laughs) Like I hate to tell you this, but he's dead. Yeah,
2: Johnson's dead. (laughs) Shit, that wouldn't stop him. (laughs) So good. Like
0: they
1: sent somebody to finish me off. I think maybe it, it was Johnson himself. Real ugly, real goddamn ugly. Hey, look, man, President Johnson's dead. Shit, that ain't gonna stop
2: him. One of the best lines. Uh-huh. Shit, that wouldn't stop him. It's great.
0: Ozzy Davis is awesome.
2: Yes, but my problem is he doesn't do a JFK impersonation. Yeah, he doesn't talk like him, and I'm like, what a what a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, Ozzy Davis was like him, and JFK were born in the same year. So 1917, so they are the same age at this point. Uh, Just as a side note, Elvis would have been 67 at this point.
2: Oh, okay. So not that old.
0: Not that old. I mean, Ozzie Davis was, you know, 85, which is how old JFK would have been in 2002. But yeah, Elvis would have only been 67. But uh, people age differently, you know? He fell, broke his hip. He was convalescing.
2: One guy that Elvis was friends with, who but then went insane, he used to play cards with him. He's like, now he doesn't even remember who I am. The one who, like, shoots.
0: Oh, Kimisabi. Yes. Because he thinks he's the Lone Ranger.
2: Yes. Does How does he die?
0: He goes after Bubba Hotep at one point, shooting down, you know, the hallway, walking down that same hallway, he keeps saying something. I can't remember what it is that he says. Assholes. Asshole, die asshole. Yeah, die something like that. Asshole.
3: Asshole. 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 Himosabe was dead of a ruptured heart before he hit the floor. Gone down and out with both guns blazing. Soul intact.
2: I don't know. For some reason, something about the way he acts is gets JFK to like start thinking that Elvis might be right, that there is like some pharaoh Bubbahotep coming after them. And so Ozzy Davis is like, fine, I'll join you. But there was this rumor going around that you, Elvis, hated me. And you need to assure me that you had nothing to do with that day in <laughs> Dallas. He's that's,
0: like, what? See, that's really funny. But it's also really interesting because Elvis. there are some really interesting stories about Elvis, especially as he gets older. But I guess in this case, that wouldn't have been Elvis. That would have been Sebastian Half. But like... He wanted to be an honorary DEA agent and carry a gun and a badge. And he went directly to Nixon to get that. Like he was, he was more probably in line with Nixon in his politics than he was with JFK and his politics, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that he grew up surrounded by a lot of black culture. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how they're going to reconcile that in the new Elvis biopic. Mm -hmm. He has a bunch of pictures on his wall, like conspiracy theory pictures on his wall. Lee Harvey Oswald, Jack Ruby, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald.
2: Yes, there's another joke about the, the the night that they decide, like, let's go after him. He he's like, I got root beer and chocolate, and he's like, let's get decadent. <laughs> JFK,
3: does. you got ding dongs, man. Mm.
1: I got paydays, and I got a box of babies. Oh, mama, which would it be? Let's get decadent.
2: But so they try to kill Bubba Hotep. It's this whole long thing. They don't succeed the first time. Oh, Kelsey,
0: what's wrong? You don't want to talk about the graffiti on the bathroom walls?
2: Go ahead, honey. Say whatever you'd like, because I literally, I literally, this is what I wrote. Let's get decadent. That guy had a heart attack. Trying to kill Bubba Hotep. We lied to the nurses. That is all i wrote that is (laughs) how disinterested and bored i was and i'm sorry guys
0: jfk gets really into like the research end of it and then they find hieroglyphics in the bathroom wall which don't mean anything some of them in this movie they're real hieroglyphics but they weren't translated or anything they're just randomly used but on the bathroom wall jfk translates it now The part that makes me okay with the infantile humor here is that it's JFK's rough translation. He's taking concepts and turning it into words. And these are the words that JFK chooses. And he says, Now this
1: top line translates roughly into Pharaoh gobbles, donkey goobers.
0: Which wouldn't make a lot of sense because wouldn't, like that be one of his relatives or him himself? Wouldn't he have been a pharaoh? Like the implication is that Bubba Hotep, this mummy, wrote this stuff. Yeah. So what he is he talking about himself or his right. dad? Maybe exactly. I don't. I don't know. And the bottom line,
1: Cleopatra does the nasty.
0: Yeah. Would this person even know who Cleopatra was? Yeah. Wasn't she like the last in the line of pharaohs? I don't know. I don't know enough about Cleopatra.
1: Say what? Well, pretty much that's the best I can translate
0: it. There are going to be other stupid translation jokes later. We'll get to them.
2: Only if you wrote them down.
0: <laughs> I think I might have.
2: Well, But this reinvigorates them. And suddenly Elvis yeah. has so much more energy than he did
0: before. And, and that's, that's a, one of the themes is about finding purpose and your purpose giving you energy, even in your old age. Yes. Which is a positive message. Mm-hmm. The Everyday man or Woman's Book of the Soul is where he's getting all this information. Uh, you can take a soul from any orifice, yeah.
2: So they decide that, you know, we're going to try it again. We're going to try to kill this mummy. And he's like, let's let's meet at 2.45 in the morning. And uh, Ozzy Davis is like, well, takes us a little while to get there. Let's start at 2.30. <laughs> <laughs> One of the funnier sure, lines. Sure, yeah.
3: Mr. Kennedy, ask not what your rest home can do for you. That's what you can do for your rest, home. Hey, you're copying my best lines. And let me paraphrase one of my own. Let's take care of business. Just what are you getting at, Elvis? I think you know what I'm getting at, Mr. President. We're gonna kill us a mummy.
2: It is a great shot of them coming down the hallway the first time. Uh huh. But not any other time after that.
0: Oh, JFK gives him an incantation to read to send him, you know, back to the underworld or whatever. Which doesn't work. But we're going to learn what that incantation is later.
2: It's a bunch of bullshit.
0: (laughs) So yeah, they end up encountering him. They split up. They have this plant bug poison pump thing full of alcohol and other such flammables that they're going to spray on him and then light him on fire. That's their plan. And then they're going to read this incantation and send him back to the underworld. JFK ends up falling asleep. And getting approached by Bubba Hotep Which Elvis will see And call out and there'll be a struggle JFK will die Trying to stop Bubba Hotep
2: Yes Which causes Elvis to get even more energy And he rides around on the Uh uh, The wheelchair
0: Yeah well after he, he sets him on fire The first time he reads the incantation Which goes You nasty thing From beyond the dead
3: No matter what you think or do good things will never come to you. And if evil is your black design, you can bet the goodness of the light ones will kick your bat behind. That's it? That's the chant against evil from the Book of Souls? Oh yeah, right boss. And what kind of decoder ring comes with that, man? Shit, don't even rhyme well.
0: This is when Boba Hotep responds, eat the dog dick of Anubis, you asswipe. Clever. (laughs) This is when he chases after him in the wheelchair and they fall off a hill down back into the creek, the mud creek from where he came, which is a real creek in Nagadoches, which is where they say they are, East Texas. And then he sprays more of this stuff on him and lights him on fire again, and he really does go to the underworld this time. Yeah,
2: somehow it works Why the would the fire time. work
0: the second time, and not the first time? I guess because it's more of it?
2: I don't know. I
0: guess. And then we get hieroglyphics in the stars saying, all is well. And as the movie fades to black, we get Elvis saying, which is a great ending line, as he is maybe dying? Thank you. Thank you, ram which is a great way to end the movie. Yes. Though more of those kind of choices, please. Yep. And then we get credits and it says, ah, oh, you know what? If you violate the law, Bubba Hotep will come eat your soul or whatever. And then at the end, it says, Elvis returns in Bubba Nasferatu, Curse of the She Vampire, star- starring Sebastian Half, which still has not yet come to fruition, but people hold out hope that it will. I kind of hope that it doesn't. Because I imagine it's just going to be more of this.
2: I don't. It's so. It's been so long. Oh,
0: yeah. But you're just waiting for Bruce Campbell to get old, and then you won't need to age him up with makeup. I guess. So, Kelsey. Yeah. What do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes?
2: I imagine it's higher than I would give it. I don't imagine it's that high. Let's say seventy-six.
0: Pretty close. It has a seventy-nine. And this is the consensus statement. The best movie to star both The King and JFK. And they're probably right, but that sounds a little dismissive, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. It has a Metacritic average of 57%. Do you think it is overrated or underrated?
2: Overrated?
0: Yeah. I overrated it. I'm part of that. <laughs> I definitely over I, – I can't imagine how many people I told to see Baba Hotep or that Bubba Hotep was good and what they must think of me now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because I know a lot of people love this yes, movie. Yes, and I
0: get it. And it was well-beloved at the time, and I just wonder how much of that is just residual affection, how much of that is nostalgia, and how much of that is a clear-eyed look at what the movie is today. And with a clear-eyed look, I gotta say it's overrated. hmm So what would you give it?
2: I will give it a 55.
0: <sighs> I am wavering around 50. I could go as low as like a 47. I could go as high as maybe a 55. So I'll roughly split the difference and I'll make it a 51. It is disappointing for me to say that. And I'm sorry to disappoint you guys out there because I know a lot of you really fucking like this movie. Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. So did I. And I don't think that you're stupid for liking it. It's just not nearly as good as I remember it being. Well, I'm sure a lot of that is because I have aged and my standards have changed. They're not – they haven't improved. They've just changed. And it's not good enough. It's a little disappointing how – you see the potential there, and I think a lot of it was just us excited for the checklist of things and what that checklist meant for the potential of the movie, and didn't really care if the movie realized that potential or not. It just by default was good because of that checklist. What? Right, you got Ozzie Davis playing J.FK <laughs> You have Bruce Campbell playing Elvis. They're old folks. Fighting a redneck mummy? Like, oh yeah, sign me the fuck up.
2: Lots of good ideas. Uh Uh-huh. Not a lot of good execution. Exactly.
0: And I wonder what a movie like this would have been under a director who could do a better job of turning a minuscule budget into something creative, inventive. I don't know. We've seen the first Phantasm. We haven't seen the first four, but we've seen the first one. Eventually we'll cover it on this show, I think. But I remember liking it. Yes. So, I, I i mean, maybe this is a step down. Maybe it's his directing, writing capability didn't translate well to this concept. I don't know. But I remember liking Phantasm. So it's not that we don't like the writer-director. But, Yeah. And that is our President's Day episode, everyone, with 1983's The Dead Zone and 2002's Bubba Hotep. Kelsey, what are we watching next week?
2: Well, next week is the 100-year anniversary of Nosferatu. It
0: is. So we will have been out 100 years. We're going
2: to finally watch it, and because we waited so long to watch it... Shadow of the Vampire has gotten to be too old, but we're going to watch it anyway.
0: Yes, we're going to stretch our rules a little bit, and there's kind of no way I would allow us to watch Nosferatu without pairing it with Shadow of the Vampire. When we first started this show, they would have been on the right side that of that was 20-year divide. one we were going to do,
2: and then we never got We never got around
0: to it. to it. Now we have to, because it's a 100-year anniversary of Nosferatu. We have to cover it. Yes. And we have to pair it with Shadow of the Vampire Yes Which is about the making of Nosferatu What if Max Schreck was in fact a vampire
2: Which he wasn't, he was an actor Yes, he guys. was an he actor was We've seen him other in movies. other things
0: <laughs> We know he's not a vampire But it's a fun concept Yes And I love that movie yes. So, yes, we will be watching Nosferatu, the original from 1922 And the... Making of, (laughs) the fictional making of story in Shadow of the Vampire from 2000. That is next week. Until then, you can find us on our website, podcemetery.com, and on Twitter, at PodCemetery. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. Bigger than that, though, is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is just listening in the G- D first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
2: I've been Kelsey.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
2: Never, but never fuck with the cave. I don't
1: wanna be buried in a cemetery.
0: All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does the dead zone begin?
2: With what I imagine. Oh, will you look this up?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I read that Stephen King was an English teacher. I've never heard that. Will you look that up? I've just totally forgotten it.
0: Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact... I'm pretty sure they used... Maybe not. Hold on. Yes, he was. In the early 70s. He was an English teacher. For what age? Uh, An academy in Maine. Let me see.
2: Oh, right. The boys' academy. That's where he got the idea for The Shining, because he fucking hated being a teacher there.
0: Yeah, high school age.
2: Remember? Remember? In The Shining, that's what he gets fired because he gets the kid.
0: Oh yeah, uh for
2: like slashing his tires. Yeah,
0: and then he grabs the kid or whatever, and then he gets fired.
2: And then later in the sequel, Abra's mother is also Jack Torrance's daughter. Yeah, who uh, his mother was a teacher there. That's what the thing is. Yeah. They had an affair while he Uh worked there. But it's all okay, because that's when he was an alcoholic. Uh Uh-huh. Not that, you know, he did much teaching after the events of the hotel. Okay.
0: So get us started Has the dead zone begin.
2: With, what's his name? Johnny. Oh, right, Johnny Smith.
0: Johnny Smith.
2: And he assigns them to read Sleepy Hollow.
0: Why is that funny, Kelsey?
2: Because he's in Sleepy Hollow. He's the
0: headless horseman in Sleepy Hollow.
2: We still haven't done that, have we? We have
0: done it, yeah. No, I we've been doing it for years now, Kelsey. I forget things, too. There's There's a thing here on IMDb that says, In the future... The politician Greg Stilson is played in real life by Donald J. Trump, who on January 6 2021, tried to force his vice president to destroy America. Like, come on, dude. This is a conversation about the dead zone. <laughs> I am no fan of Trump. What are you doing? <laughs> Nobody likes this. Nobody's like, yeah!
2: <laughs> Whiskey.
0: I don't know. No, it was um, not vodka. Scotch. Not scotch. It's a clear liquor.
2: Tequila. Nah,
0: no, hold on. Gin. Let me just make sure that I'm not talking out my ass. The Was it the, man human, spider? Spi- the human spider or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. man,
2: that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you think about life. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you very much.